A little more than 3 million New Yorkers are registered to vote, but have chosen not to affiliate with any political party. And while this doesn't impact their ability to cast a ballot in November, it does limit their chances to influence political primaries, as the state's major parties use so-called closed primaries to select their candidates, meaning only voters registered with their party can have a say in who their candidates will be. This dynamic was the subject of a recent report from Common Cause New York, a good government group which tried to get to the bottom of who these unaffiliated voters are and what they care about, and weighed the merits of opening up New York's political primaries. To discuss this analysis, we're joined by Sarah Goff, the group's deputy director. Thanks for making the time, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. So for starters, can you put into context the number of unaffiliated voters in New York and their share of the electorate in the state? Yeah, absolutely. So there are roughly 3.1 million registered voters in the state of New York, and they are now the second largest voting bloc statewide. This mirrors the longstanding trend in New York City, which has always had a high number of unaffiliated voters. And just to contextualize that 3.1 million number, that's greater than 29 other states' entire voting population. So this is a lot of voters. And does the percentage of enrolled unaffiliated voters match their turnout in elections when we think about their share of the electorate? It honestly depends. So they represent about, you know, nearly a quarter of the statewide electorate. And I think it just depends on what elections we're talking about. So Common Cause surveyed and focus grouped uh, hundreds of unaffiliated voters this year. Do you have a sense of why someone chooses not to register as a Democrat, Republican or a minor party in New York? Yeah, absolutely. And that came through loud and clear in our research, both in terms of our polling and our focus groups. These folks were unequivocal. They really see themselves as true independents and saw it as a core source of their identity as voters and really wanted to be able to move beyond the binary of the two-party system and didn't see a home for themselves in either party. Were there any demographic commonalities amongst unaffiliated voters? Well, I think, like I said at the top, what we see that's really interesting now is that they are now the second largest group statewide. So they are all over the state. Um, A lot of them are in New York City, right, given that that's where they historically have been. But we've now seen that they really spread out. So in Long Island, in upstate, Hudson Valley area, they tend to be a little bit older than some of our more traditional voters. And then, like I said, they really see themselves as true independents and don't want to affiliate with either party. Your report says that unaffiliated voters have a preference for flexible policy solutions. So does that mean that they come down on the middle of, say, controversial issues or that their beliefs don't necessarily fit, say, in the binary political structure that might uh, typically fit a Democrat or Republican? What we ended up talking to them a lot about was not only where they saw themselves within the political system, but what things could we potentially change to get them involved with voting in elections? And so obviously, um, we really focused on primary elections and what we could potentially do for these folks if they wanted to vote. And so where we focused our research was how do we get them, if they're interested in voting in primary elections, 
to do so while being able to retain that sense of independence. And we pulled on two different policy solutions. So whether or not they had to affiliate in a party or not, and they overwhelmingly wanted to vote in primaries if they didn't have to affiliate in a party. Well, I want to get into that uh, future of open versus closed primaries. But, you know, getting back into who these people are, someone like Michael Bloomberg was traditionally thought of as an independent, but his views weren't necessarily down the middle on every issue. He definitely just had a a variety of Democratic ideas and Republican ideas. Should we think of these unaffiliated voters as Michael Bloomberg's, or do they just have more down the middle points of view on most issues? Yeah, quite frankly, our research didn't focus on any specific issue area polling in a more traditional pollster kind of sense. We were really laser focused on elections and voting in New York. And did you have a sense of what might lead someone to become a so-called unaffiliated or independent voter? For example, if someone came from a strong politically engaged household? Were they less likely to be independent? Is this something that is built out of homes that are less politically engaged? Did did you have any sense of the circumstances that lead people to become independents? Yeah, I think what we saw in the research in terms of the polling and our small group conversations with folks was that they saw themselves as incredibly politically active. Some were previously registered with a party. Others have always been true, unaffiliated, independent voters. It really just depends. Um, Some of our conversations with individual voters, they were saying, you know, I grew up in a Democratic household. I grew up in a Republican household, but I realized that wasn't for me. Um, And so one of the things our research kept coming back to was that these voters really do see themselves as true independents and either started out as unaffiliated voters or eventually became unaffiliated because they didn't see a home for themselves in either political party. Your report found that nearly 90 percent of unaffiliated voters said they would vote in primary elections if they could. Do you take that kind of response with a a grain of salt, with the idea that these people are telling pollsters and focus groups kind of what they want to hear? They want to portray themselves as good, engaged citizens? Or do you have reason to believe that if the doors were open tomorrow, that nearly 90 percent would actually exercise that voting right in primaries? Sure. I mean, we would love an uptake of any voting reform as quickly as you would suggest. But I think realistically, it would take time for folks to get engaged in the primary election process, right? Because a lot of these folks may have even never voted in a primary. And so as is true with voting in general, it's building a civic muscle. And so we would anticipate that folks, you know, if they wanted to vote in the election, it's really about giving them a choice to participate. And from the perspective of the political parties who have opted to close their primaries just to people enrolled in their party, what would your message be to them on why they should open things up and allow people who have chosen not to affiliate with their party to influence who's going to be their standard bearers? Yeah, I mean, I think like we've said, um, this research is truly a starting point. And what we hope it does is spur these kinds of conversations that you're talking about. New York's election system, the foundation is really a bipartisan model. 
our boards of elections are bipartisan. Election administration is bipartisan. Um, it's really the bedrock of how we run our elections and how folks vote. And so I think we're in a very unique position at this point to really bring folks into the fold who've been shut out of the primary election process for years. Well, how, if at all, do you think about the idea of unaffiliated voters essentially fielding their own candidates. Is that something that you think of as a way to motivate these independent voters, letting them find like-minded candidates who essentially run without a label? You know, that's a great question. That's not something that we had ever really explored in our research and didn't really come up. I think you know, when we were speaking to these unaffiliated voters, it was really within the framework of the current, you know, two-party system that is predominant throughout the country. And is there any merit to having these New Yorkers stay unaffiliated? Why not just have them enroll in one of the major parties if they want to actually participate in a primary? Because there's no, you know, penalty for being enrolled in the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, if you want to be a part of their primary process, you don't have to wear a, a letter with your their party stamped to your face or anything. So, so why not just have them take that leap so they can participate in primaries? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, you know, the folks that we spoke to were very clear. They really saw themselves as independents and did not want to affiliate with either party. There was a deep distaste with the state of politics. Um, and of course, the two standard bearer parties are very much the face of the dysfunction that a lot of folks are really feeling right now in politics. Well, why does it make sense, though, to essentially go out of our way to engage with these unaffiliated voters as opposed to actually be calling their bluff and seeing if they're willing to take that extra step of enrolling in a party and trying to change it from within? Why should it be so easy for them to influence a a political party that they don't necessarily want to have anything to do with? That's an interesting question. I think for us, um, like I said, the research is super clear. They've decided that they don't want to affiliate with a party. However, we would make the argument that the current trajectory of how New York voters are affiliating with specific parties is going to become untenable. And I think when we look at other states and other municipalities, right, New York is unique. And that's one thing that we were clear about in framing this issue is that having a closed primary system is a policy choice. And New York is one of only nine states that has a closed primary system. And so other states, other municipalities have opened up their primary election process and there's nothing to fear. Um, So it really is just a choice of whether or not do you want an open system or a closed system and you want to engage the full, you know, views and opinions of all New Yorkers in consequential elections or not. And when you say untenable, does that refer to the idea that with a a growing Democratic majority in the electorate and a Republican electorate that is, you know, shrinking in terms of their size, the electorate, there's just not competitive elections statewide or or for major races? 
I mean, I think one of the things that we see year after year in a lot of our elections is that the consequential election, the most important election, is the primary election. Right. And it really has to do with, you know, a combination of factors, geographic clustering. So a lot of Democrats live in New York City, for example, where we haven't had a competitive general election in certain districts for decades, right? And that's just because, you know, we, we are sorting as a country by location. And we've seen that trend line over the last few decades. And New York is not an exception to that rule. And so what happens when we have a system in certain cases where the real election is in the primary and we shot out a ton of voters automatically? Well, finally, do you find that in states with open primaries that unaffiliated voters do turn out for the primaries and that party registration is not necessarily reflective of of who wins, say, state races. These were areas that we had an opportunity to sort of incorporate into our research thoroughly and substantively. I know anecdotally what you'll see is that when you give voters more options, they will vote. Um, And it sort of varies in terms of state level policy choices in terms of how that will show up in terms of voter rolls and how they affiliate. And, uh, you know, it's a wide variety. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. We've been speaking with Sarah Goff. She is the deputy director for Common Cause New York. Sarah, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. business agency or service interested in delivering your message to more than two dozen radio stations statewide carrying Capital Press Room? If so, visit capitalpressroom.org to contact our underwriting team.